This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. New edition of the Winning Plays Podcast here. My name is Brian Robb. I'm joined by Ryan Bernadoni. And coming off a very eventful 48 hours for the Boston Celtics, Ime Adoka is no longer the head coach of the team for the upcoming season, likely beyond that. And Joe Mazzulla is your new interim head coach after the team suspends Udoga for a year for what they're terming as a violation or multiple violations of team policies. Ryan, we'll get, I don't know where to start. This has just been, it was not a good couple of weeks for the Celtics going into Wednesday and now Literally, the uh, the franchise has been turned upside down based on um, the actions of a, a head coach whose whose future seemed to be as bright as anyone's in Boston as recently as June, and now is. I think I would certainly be surprised if he ever coached uh, for this team again. Uh, yeah, I agree. I would be surprised as well. Um, it seems very much like the position they're in now is basically a a placeholder of a decision had to be made before media day before the team and and all frankly the other employees including possibly somebody who um it would be very uncomfortable uh for everybody if uh, he was around um you know came back in and or came back in you know to the extent that they will for for the season um not that they haven't been around the uh the office and things like that but um so I think that, you know, there was basically a deadline for that, that, that a decision had to be made. And because they're not in a position yet to completely part ways in a way that they think is equitable, um, that he's, you know, been suspended, but it would, it would just be very surprising for a number of reasons if he, if he ever coached the Celtics again. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a difficult couple of days. I, I think that, you know, we have to be careful um, in that we, only have so much information. Um, I think that there is a reasonable way that you could look at this that would lead you to believe that basically the team acted appropriately and professionally. Um, and there are ways that you could look at it where you could that could lead you to believe that things were not handled very well uh, over you know over this time period. Uh, and we, I mean, reality is always somewhere in the middle, or, or you know almost always somewhere in in between that. But um, we. You know, we know what we know, which isn't hugely more than, you know, than a random person on the street at this point. Um, but it's, you know, it's not a great day for, for a franchise that um, the last couple of last couple of weeks have been sort of hit with injury news and things like that. And the kind of standard stuff that happens around teams that people are like, oh, you know, this really good offseason has started to take a turn for the worse. And and this is sort of, a, you know, an order orders of magnitudes beyond that sort of standard, unfortunate basketball stuff uh, that we were talking about in the last time that we were on this pod to things that are, are you know, more serious, um, morally, professionally, um, and, you know, in the sort of structure of the the franchise going forward. So it's, I don't know, not, not the podcast we wanted to be doing tonight, I don't think. <laughs> Certainly not. But this is, uh, obviously, I mean, it's probably the, the top story in the sports world right now period um given just the the variety of um you know the, 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 
don't know. That, I mean, that's <laughs> that's an indictment of the sports of the I sports mean, world is. and the sports right. media. But I mean, that may be true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Roger Federer's last match into retirement right. today. It's there are there are things that are certainly not the best much, story. In the much sports better world. sports stories uh, <laughs> going Judge. on and, and actual sports it's, going on and Aaron Judge yeah. and things like that. So right. yeah, I think that's an indictment of the sort of sports media to to say that yeah. that it has been this you know the the sort of story du jour for the for the day and because it's you know seems pretty seedy um in, in some of the details that people can envision or, or basically just you know make up out of whole cloth um but yeah I, yeah it's been a story and it's obviously been on the you know and from the the team's press conference today and brad stevens i think spoke to it very passionately and, and well given the situation just to you know speak out against the you know obviously the ugly speculation that was all over social media over the last you know 24 48 hours involving you know female employees and i think i mean organizationalized that was something that was very good you know i think needed to be said and was you know came across across as very you know passionate and very heartfelt and you hope that you know the people who may have been unfairly dragged into this like are, are getting that the, the support they need from the, the team and you know through this and you wonder if you know things could have been handled differently on that front to hope you know cut that off but at the same time like i said it's just more of a reflection of how you know this world handles news and speculation now and how that like is a very awful road at times um when it comes to uh what is obviously a, a messy situation like this is. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's really not a sports story is the, you know, the first no. thing you have to say there, right? So we said it's the biggest sports story, but it's what it really is is sort of like corporate policy and governance. Yeah, it's like a workplace. For, yeah, it's a, it's a workplace story. And it's a, it's a story about power dynamics and corporations and, and in society, it's a story about, uh, unfortunately, um, the sort of nature of social media, of professional media, of things like that. That's at least the story that it's become in the last couple of days. Um, and, and I guess I said before that you can, it is feasible that what we had here is actually a pretty standard corporate HR um, policy that we saw put into play here. Um, and that what is what functionally happened here is that a high level employee was in a relationship that you know you could say that it was an immoral relationship but if you you know if that's the way you see it in the sense that uh he was engaged and was in you know in a relationship that like i said you could say it, but there if they were at some point consenting adults um that it, there was nothing illegal going on there pretty basically every corporation of any size has corporate policies that's, that have things about inter-office relationships. And usually what they are is things related to direct line of reporting. Any large office that you go into, there are people in relationships together. I, I said it on Twitter, like I met my wife at work. Uh, this is not abnormal. Um, but we weren't in a direct reporting relationship. And that becomes much more difficult in something like a sports team, which is a like sports teams make a lot of money, but they're not large organizations. Like you're talking about hundreds of people here, not tens of thousands of people. And somebody like the head coach of the team has sort of gray reporting lines. Now, if he was in a relationship with 
you know, a player or an assistant coach or something like that, somebody who reports directly to him, then that's like an immediate fireable offense. It's just like, you cannot possibly, you can't do that. But the sort of nature of the power structure of an organization like this and who the head coach is, but that they don't have a ton of people who report directly to them does make for fraught ground for an organization that's trying to implement a like sort of HR boilerplate policy about, about these kind of things. And so from the story that they are basically telling in their press conference, this relationship became known at some point. Um, it progressed in some way that was no longer deemed welcome, appropriate. I don't know by who or when. We just don't know that information. We can't really speculate on that too much. But something happened where they felt that they needed to further investigate it and brought in outside legal counsel to do an investigation, which again is not like this is all base like this is all corporate HR stuff that happens in every corporation on a relatively regular basis. It just doesn't make news. Uh, they may have internal if it's a big enough corp, you know, a big enough organization, they'll have internal legal or internal enforcement do the, the investigation, but it's common that corporate law comes in from from outside to do the kind of investigation for executives, for high level people, for things that could be difficult, PR, whatever it might be. Um, and that coming up against these deadlines of the season starting in media day and things like that, they had basically said that this investigation needs to be finished by a certain point. They received a report on Wednesday that um, gave them more information that may have been information that they weren't expecting to get that made it seem, you know, that was worse than what they had believed possibly. Um, and that they had to, they decided at that point that they had to, to act quickly on it. And that in that very short period of time between when they received that report and, and today, it leaked in a way that caught them, it seems off guard. They they were pretty adamant that they were, that the leak did not come from like official channels in the team. Um, and that that made things very ugly and in some way took away their ability to finish the sort of corporate governance of like, you're being put on administrative leave while we negotiate a settlement that has you leave the company. Um, and that they would formally name his replacement and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that this sort of all comes together as largely a standard corporate story. Um, and if that's the case, the team actually like kind of gets, that actually makes the team look quite good. We, there are tons of stories out there that you learn years later that, that you never learn where these things just get covered up, where they look at it and say, well, listen, we're a championship team and he was a really good coach and we don't want to lose him. And we're going to sort of brush this under the rug and five years down the line, somebody will complain about it and it'll be a story, but maybe we want a title. Like organizations do that all the time. Um, and that does not appear to be what they did. So I, I think that you can look at this from not a sports story, but from, like I said, like a, a story about, corporate stuff and i live in you know i have a regular corporate job i i'm not a beat writer for the team i work for a giant corporation like from that perspective it's like oh yeah no that happens all the time right um but that's not a salacious interesting story necessarily it's only interesting because it's the boston celtics and it's a head coach and it's public figures right a head coach who just led the team to the nba finals yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah, no, I think I think that's pretty outlined, and I do think again, they're like it's we're never gonna know, but there's I think there's uh, probably a lot more to the the story and the investigation for for them to come up with a penalty as severe as any coach has seen in across all sports, um, and one that you know Emi Adoka willingly accepted. 
uh, at least in a statement, not that, you know, we'll, whether there's still negotiations going on behind the scenes like that you refer to, um, I'm sure that will become clear sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I think kind of what you laid out there is, you know, with the, obviously the details, the true details hidden from sight that may make the initial reporting look very, you know, um, underplaying what actually happened here. Um, we'll, maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't, but um, it's certainly something where they were, you know, upfront about all that without being able to reveal any of the, the actual details today, because that's just, you don't do that for a hundred reasons. So that's based on, you know, how they handle things today. Yeah. And there are certainly, there, there were, there would be other ways that this could have been handled. Um, and we can talk about an alternative story that sounds much less professional and, and good for the team. And, and again, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to lay out like what the, the outline of the basics of this, this story seem to be. Um, one thing that I did not mention there is that the first, you know, in, in apportioning blame here, this is not ultimately a story about like, did the Celtics do every single thing right in corporate right. governance? This is Emi Odoka. The, this is Emi Odoka <laughs> who did something seemingly from, a, you know, the little that we know, quite serious. Um, and even if like, at the very least, incredibly dumb, oh, yeah. <laughs> like personally, professionally, whatever you want to call it, but also seemingly, while it hasn't, as far as we know, risen to the level of anything criminal, um, you know, something quite, quite serious and, and potentially damaging to, to someone else. Um, and that that's the starting point of, of the story really is like, that's the person who, who is at fault. Um, and that's part of why it seems very difficult to believe having even just from the sense of like having caused all of this, it would be very difficult to envision the people who then had to deal with the fallout of all of this, bringing him back into the fold of the team, let alone all of the other elements about other people who would be impacted by that directly. Um, just being like, if you're, you know, Wick and, and Brad having to have gone through all this and then being like, okay, it's been a year. Let's it's right. time to come like back. That's, Right, Second like chance. This, is, this just seems completely unrealistic. Um, I do think that there are other, you know, some other things that you can highlight there that in, in terms of the team seem like they handle things professionally, right? Like you do see a lot of times in these stories where what will happen is the leak, I, the fact that I know they said the leak didn't come from them and we, I believe that they, the initial leaks in particular, right? Not knowingly coming from them. Talking to them. Yeah. Not knowingly coming from the people who are at the top of the organization who are knowledgeable about what was going on before the day of the leaks. Right. I, I don't know specifically where they came from, of course. Um, but the fact that the leaks were not that something has happened and that the Celtics are investigating, but that it had progressed to the point where the X where like the leak was about that a suspension was coming. Right. So it was not that their hand was forced to take action. The leak was that they were about to already take action. And we do see a lot of times, not again, not just in sports, but in across all corporations, particularly at the level of where people are making millions of dollars and that these are executives who everybody thinks are special and not just regular people, even though they're just regular people, um, that that is not what it would have been. Right. It would have been, oh, the investigation is ongoing and you sort of circle the wagons and you um, just kind of hope that you can get it to go away. And that happens all the time. And that was, that does not appear to be what happened here where they did determine like the, 
proper and appropriate thing to do is to determine that Ime Odoka is in the wrong here and take action against that. Um, and so I, I do think that they, you know, deserve an amount of credit for that in terms of, of again, like sort of the corporate governance side of this. But um, that's obviously the, you know, the first story on it is not who do you give credit for? It's like, yeah, the head coach of the Boston Celtics seemingly was a pretty bad person uh, who made really serious mistakes here. Um, and numerous, and, numerous ones. Yeah, numerous ones from what from what they said. And not not a single. This was not a, a one time thing. And you don't need to. And that this is just like. So. And you don't. And beyond the reporting, and people were responding or reporting like, no, like there's obviously, if you're getting suspended for a year, which just doesn't happen in pro sports for a coach generally, like there's there has to be a lot there, and not just you're getting suspended for a year coming off of like. Uh, a banner year for the franchise where you like your stock as a coach couldn't have been higher before this happened. If you're even a dogo. So, and not that that like would influence what they're, you know, in this organization, what they would do for me, but it's certainly something that would have, you know, does factor into being like, okay, just how like this, no, this is not something they're trying to, you know, brush away or, you know, push under the rug. Like this is something that, Rose a level of being like, no, this is, we need to address this head on. And this is probably going to be the end of our relationship with this, this person. Yeah. And particularly in an industry like this, where functionally what you're selling is entertainment, right? That this is about advertising and entertainment. The, the PR is the business. Uh, and so to have this at this timing for a franchise that seemed to be at a, a rel, you know, at a pretty high point um, at a time of, normal excitement for things like media day and the start of training camp going leading into the season they obviously did not want to have to do this right they are doing this because they felt that it that that they had to and whether they felt that they had to because again like from a moral perspective they had to or from a legal perspective they had to whatever it may i don't know what the you know what the ultimate decision in there is but um they it, you know, it's the right message for the future, right? Like, no, our corporate policies are real and we take these things seriously and we are going to have, um, you know, we, we're going to take sort of corporate culture and the values of, of the organization seriously. Um, and again, like there are other teams in the NBA who have been shown numerous times to not feel that way and not act that way. Um, and sometimes that comes from, Oftentimes that comes from a management or from a, from an ownership level uh, in this case, you know, for, for the primary governor of the team to be the one out there speaking first and saying like pretty strong, you know, in pretty strong terms. Um, although they had to, you know, protect themselves, obviously in some ways from what they were, I think both legally allowed to say and what they felt was appropriate to say, because again, there are other people involved in this whose names are not, and hopefully do not become public. Um, you know, that's also, you know, what you want to see out of the organization and out of a, a, a business functionally, um, even if they really didn't, did not want to be there. So, you know, like I said, I don't want to give them like too much credit for being like, oh, you handled this thing the right way that you really should. But a lot of times it doesn't happen. And, and, and like I said, you can also, we aren't sure of that, right? There, there are alternative stories about maybe they're saying that the leak didn't come from them, but who knows really um, that the way that the day of the leaks was handled where 
they were not able to protect other employees within the organization. Um, I don't know necessarily how they would have done that, right. um, but that there are obviously were other people harmed um, as sort of, I don't even, you don't want to say, you know, collateral damage, right? Yeah, like so in, the, in the crosshairs. Harmed, like, yeah, inappropriately because of the way that things are in social media um, that were awful and, and gross. And there are, I think, people in, in the organization who are angry that the team wasn't able to control that in, in any uh, more forceful way. Although, again, I don't really know how you, you do. Um, so I'm not going to, like, say that everything went went perfectly but I, the the press conference today they acted appropriately and i think put forward the correct message and the story at least that they're telling is one of reasonable behavior from everybody other than ime odoka let's take a quick break first here to hear from our sponsor at bet Align, where our partners there continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info you can find all the latest odds news and sports developments including Major League Baseball scores, um, NBA, NBA futures, NFL futures, and all the latest fight news as well. So BetOnline is your continuing source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. It's BetOnline where the game starts. All right. Let's shift to the Broderick Thomas. To Broderick Broder Thomas taking the 20th spot. Daniel Gallinari undergoing ACLs. No. Joe Mazzullo is your interim head coach of the Celtics. He is 34 years old. He has been with the team as an assistant coach since 2019. Uh, he was promoted to a lead assistant this offseason when Will Hardy went to Utah. And his head coaching experience um, during his career consists of two years at Division II Fairmont State. Um, with that said, Missoula has been really praised a lot by coaches, players, anyone of this with the team since he's been here. Um, I know they recruited him civically from Fairmont state to come to the Celtics. They had to convince him to come take that job um, as a player development coach back in 2019. And now he is being thrown into a situation where he was a finalist for the Utah job and was clearly, you know, there was full confidence that he was going to be a head coach someday, but now that day is uh, far sooner than I think anyone could have imagined. Um, quite, quite the opportunity, but also, uh, Hey Joe, training camp starts Tuesday. Um, good luck. And yeah, we're going to, your, your, your top guys are, um, assistants that, uh, probably thought they might be getting this job if, uh, email was let go. Um, yeah. So unfortunately I would feel remiss if I didn't start somewhere else on this story as well. Um, yes, there's obviously the his history too, yeah. that we can get into. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we will start, I, I would like to start there just because in the scope of why he's taking over, uh, I think that it's difficult to ignore. Um, so when he was in uh, college, when he was a, a point guard at West Virginia, um, he was arrested 
for a I don't domestic battery I think is what it was official officially uh, where he was accused of basically being drunk in a bar and it was reported as grabbing a woman by the throat um, which I think most people would just call choking but um, I, I wasn't I don't think there's video of it I wasn't there I don't know the full nature of it and there was an out-of-court settlement and he was suspended by the team um, he was also arrested and pled guilty for public intoxication I think at a sporting event um, and was also fined for some other things or ticketed for some other things related basically to drinking when he was in in college uh, and alcohol does seem to be a through line through those different things. Um, but the most, you know, the most serious of those is the um, accusation and settlement of violence. Um, I, I assume, I believe against a woman uh, in, in a bar. Uh, and so going from relieving a coach because of whatever the specific details were uh, seemingly related to a relationship with a woman uh, to promoting a coach you, you know, who has that in the past is not a great look um, and can be troubling. Now, it's not right. These things are never simple either. Um, you can say that it was 13 or 14 years ago. Um, that's not an excuse. Like that's not good enough of a thing, right? You can, it can be in the past. And if the person has not shown contrition or done anything to make amends, if the victim still feels that, you know, this person becoming a, a much larger public figure is dramatic for them for their victimization. Like there are serious considerations in there. Uh, but it is also, at least I personally believe possible for people to make mistakes and become rehabilitated. I don't think that every crime in, should involve somebody going to prison for life, right? Like where you draw these lines is not, not easy. Um, and the challenge here is obviously that any, like Brad Stevens vouched for him as, you know, as strongly as he could in basically a 30 second answer at the end of the press conference today. But six months ago, he would have vouched for Ime Udoka. Um, we don't know, pe you know, people don't know everything about other people's personal lives and about what they do, and you can't expect them to. Uh, but if somebody has something in their past like that, it it's not just a thing that you can throw away and say, well, it was a long time ago. Well, he was drunk. Well, he was this or that. Oh, when do people get over it? Well, you do have to actually show some contrition about things. Now, he's, as far as I know, never been put forward as the face of anything. And so he's never really been in a position to answer those types of questions. You can also say those things were known when he was hired as an assistant coach. And if you believe that he just shouldn't be a part of the organization, then he shouldn't have been an assistant coach, right? Like you can right. spin these things out in, in a, in a long way, but I don't, these are going to be things that he will have to answer at media day. Yes. Uh, if they try to say, these are not things that you can ans ask at media day, then like the media shouldn't ask him any questions. Basically they should say like, no, this and they won't. And, and this is that's not what's going to happen. Right. No, it's not going to, this is not a political that, that that's the kind of thing that happens sometimes in like very controlled, like, mayoral candidacies right, where they just go sweep the person up like media day is media day you'll have to face these questions and the only thing that we can see is how he answers them and then each individual have to to take what he says in you know in their own way um but i do think that that's part of the story here uh that that can't be thrown away so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that and, and then we can talk about him as a coach which we don't really know anything about him as a coach we can talk about the, the odd situation i've been watching fairmont state too i don't know about yeah you. i'm sure <laughs> yeah but he's he's changed a lot as since that as a coach yeah no and i think that's like he's gonna run a lot more so... horn sets than he did back in <laughs> yeah so it's 
the question and which was good was was asked to Brad Stevens today about it directly, um, which was important. And Brad, again, you know, pretty much lied out that, hey, like I, you know, he's accountable for this stuff. And we vetted him back then about this stuff. And yeah, it's it's if you believe in, you know, rehabilitation or if a situation where it wasn't the we didn't get the whole story of it or however, like there's a thousand different ways to look at it, but it's clear that the Celtics, you know, it's 13 years ago now and the people they talk to now and people around him in his life and as a coach, like clearly are vouched for him when they hired him back in 2019 and they have clearly like what they've seen for the last three years to you know, go from player development coach back then to now this interim role with, with this back on top of having, knowing that this is going to be a story um, when you put a person of his experience into this role. So it's um, yeah, I'm very curious to see, you know, how he talks about it. And I do think it, it certainly is part during the wake of particularly what, um, what happened with Ime here. Um, but at the same time, I don't, it wasn't in, you know, arrests and being found guilty in court. I think they're, they are two different things. And so like, not that like a settlement wouldn't preclude that. Um, but I do think that like that at the time, I think it's, it'll be, we'll know more in terms of how he, he talks about it and just, you know, what, uh, and what we see from him beyond that. Yeah. And I mean, of course, on, on that note, you have to say that there haven't been arrests in yeah. of Ime Odoka either, right? Like it's right. not always a, a legal question. Uh, the allegations against him are again, like we weren't. I don't know. They are less serious allegations than things that have made against been made against certain other head coaches who have recently yes. been elevated in, in, across the league. Which is not to try to say that it doesn't matter or anything like that. But like there are, it is not the same allegation for everybody, right? Um, 100%. So, I mean, we can talk about it, what we know. Like, it's a very weird situation to have a coach with, you know, so little head coaching experience, only at the D2 level. He's 34 years old. There, obviously, when Brad Stevens came in, he was a very young coach, but he had been the head coach of a very successful college team and was joining a team that was trying to tank. Um, Will Hardy just got his job as, as a young coach of a team that is trying to tank when... Ime Udoka was hired as a, as a young coach without a, a ton of head or with any head coaching experience. Um, he was coming into a team that didn't have like title aspirations. I don't think at that point yet. Right. Like I think it's that's fair. fair to say coming up the season before, like they weren't tanking, but I, I don't, you know, it was a different situation. Um, like Lawrence Frank became the head coach in the middle of the 2000 season yeah, with Byron Scott. when they when they let go of Byron Scott he had never been a head coach he was 34 35 something like that and they had gone to the finals the year before like so that's like there is one case yeah. that's it's relatively uh you know analogous to it but it is a very bizarre situation to be a young coach elevated through this particular process um currently having an interim tag which is another thing that we can talk about the timing of his in, of the interim tag. Like the fact that there wasn't a, an investigation ongoing, you think would mean that they would have had time to know exactly what they were going to do in this circumstance. And the fact that it's an interim, but by all accounts, like in the press conference, it's not very much like they expect him to be the coach going forward and that this is not, you know, yeah, a month until is... they get Frank Vogel in or something. I, I don't know. Um, so it's a, it's a very 
odd and difficult situation. Um, and I like, I don't have any idea what to expect out of it really. I mean, how could you? Yeah. I mean, it's, you only, I mean, his, he did coach 2021 summer league, the undefeated Celtics before a disastrous loss to the Sacramento Kings in the finals. Um, that, but that's the extent of what we're going like summer league basketball, which obviously is not real. And they were um, loaded summer. League and they were loaded. Exactly. They were, he, so he, he got the most out of a, probably the most loaded squad in Celtic summer league history. But from, from talking to people, you know, before this happened from beyond the, he is viewed very highly um, in terms of his coaching acumen um, in terms of his work ethic. And um, I think that has shown in terms of how he has risen through the ranks here and was able to, you know, really be the only, you know, main assistant coach that was stayed on from Brad to Emi Adoka. And I think that happened for you. That came from since he got a, a glowing recommendation from Brad and obviously got a glowing recommendation from uh, important players involved. So from a player standpoint, I think that, you know, on court, we, we, we don't know what to expect because we have nothing to go off to it. But I think with his relationship with the players, there'll be, you know, certainly less concern of about the buy-in and in terms of, in in a very volatile situation, given, you know, the, the obviously the impact that he may had on this team last year um and and amid their run to the finals yeah i mean like i said i don't even know what to where to where what to expect uh i just preseason games got interesting it's, now it's i guess just such right? an odd yeah i, I mean there's, there's something like, uh and i well i don't even want to i was going to say that that doesn't matter. i was going to talk about very briefly about what is what is being replaced on that but at the moment it doesn't doesn't really matter um i hope like i said i hope that he presents himself well and speaks honestly and openly at media day about the concerns in his past um and that um he goes from there to prove to be as good of a coach as it seems like they believe that he will be uh, I don't know what else, you know, what else can you hope for as a fan of the team who is, um, has no control over anything, uh, but only time will tell, right? It's just, it's just such an odd situation. It's, um, and the fact that they didn't have anybody sitting there on, on the bench with more head coaching experience, um, I obviously, yeah, Brad Stevens said that he didn't did never, never talked about taking over and Wick corrected him said, well, I did talk to you for a second, uh, but there's not, uh, there's not a Frank Vogel or somebody like that, or a Mike Brown, whoever is you know right. sitting there on the bench who they could elevate as, as a true, more of an interim. Um, it, it does sound like he's, I don't know. I mean, a year from now, I would think that he's going to be the head coach of the Celtics. Um, if, you know, they, if they have a, a not disastrous season. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, they're obviously very challenging circumstances, but the opportunity is certainly there. Um, if, uh, if he can get them back to uh, a place contending in the East for, uh, for one more year, but yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, what's to be said for now. We'll there's other injury stuff. We'll get into like Rob. We'll, we'll save that because that's, we don't want to pile on too much here um, on a very, uh, those that that stuff that obviously is 
less important in the big picture than the stuff that went on today here. Um, but as always, Ryan, thanks for coming on. Uh, make sure you're following him at DangerCart on Twitter. And um, yeah, we'll be back with you guys next week to talk reaction from day. And are you you're gonna be watching these preseason games, Ryan? I hope this is this is at least a reason to watch more than usual this year. I watch everything. <laughs> like, I Maybe next time we talk, there will be basketball. How about that? <laughs> Look forward to talking about basketball. That is for sure. All right. Thanks.